I'm Eric Collini, and joining me this week is Alex Masidi. Hey, Alex. Hello. How's it going? Going good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Just got off uh, an eight-hour long shift, so I'm a little tired, but I'm 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 excited about our subject. Feeling a little punchy. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> so on tonight's episode, we're going to be discussing uh, one of our favorite filmmakers, Paul Thomas Anderson. We're going to go through the list of his feature films, and we're going to touch briefly on one of his short films. Yeah. Um. So the plan is that we are going to be revealing some details. So if you haven't seen his movies, perhaps um you may hear something that you don't want to hear i think the goal is that we're going to spend about 10 minutes on each movie uh, we'll try to, i'll try to keep track of the time codes and maybe we'll throw that in the description let you know what's coming up so you can maybe skip heart aid or magnolia if you haven't seen it um hopefully i just didn't promise something i'll forget to do um but first thing that we're going to talk about is a couple of trailers were released this week that are pretty notable and we're going to react to them. Um, first up is Rogue One, the standalone Star Wars movie that's coming out uh, December, I believe, right? Yeah, December something or other. December. Probably, yeah. probably Christmas, right? Yeah, December. I know Force Awakens was December 18th, so I think they're mm-hmm. they're doing pretty much just Dece- every December we're getting just, a Star Wars movie. Yeah, they're going to try to own December. Yeah. And they certainly they certainly owned it last last year yeah and i see no reason why that's not going to happen again this year maybe not to the same extent but that has to be that's going to have to be one of the biggest movies of of december this year definitely Um, so i guess first off what's your initial reaction to rogue one um i liked it um i liked it i showed it to my dad interestingly enough and he wasn't that impressed by it um so let me start here you're a big star wars fan yeah, I'm a pretty big Star Wars fan. There's mm. a few other series I like more than Star yeah, Wars. Yeah. I'm definitely probably more of a Star Trek guy. If I have to pick one star. <laughs> take tre- Trek over Wars. <laughs> yeah, I'll take Trek. Interesting. A little bit more intellectual, kind of get a little more into the stories with Trek. Um, but I love me some Star Wars, I always have. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm excited for it. You know, I think, um, I don't know. It'll be good. I mean, we we know how it's going to end. I so yeah, that, that, that's the the thing that I I the the thought I had, and this is actually this will tie into another franchise that I know you love uh, at least a lot more than I do. Um, I, I see it as sort of the the James Bondification of Star Wars. Yeah, everything always has to relate to the Death Star. Um, it it seems like such a good opportunity where you're going to have this standalone movie, and you have this completely wide open fictional universe that you can do whatever you want in it and the the only thing that they can they can do is they have to figure out a, a death star i just i don't right. understand i i think it's not so much they need to find a death star i think it's just when they probably sat down at the table to go okay what other movies can we do one of the big ideas was probably, well, you know, we don't know how the Death Star plans were acquired. Well, actually, we do. They were in the expanded universe. The character of Kyle Katarn in the video <laughs> in the nineteen ninety three video game Star Wars Dark Forces. Uh, in the first mission of the game, he acquires the Death Star plans. Uh, so, I guess they're throwing that out and uh, turning that whole idea into a movie. Um, I don't know. I think it's interesting. Yeah. I'm more interested in that time period in Star Wars than the time period that Force Awakens takes place in. Um, 
but I don't know what was it. Yeah, I don't know where I was getting with that, but because I know yeah. they're they're doing Han Solo Han Solo solo movie next, and then I think Boba Fett after that. So we're getting Star Wars yeah. eight next next year. Han two thousand seventeen. Seventeen. Han Solo the following year. Episode nine. nine. Yeah. yeah, and then they're probably gonna bounce back and forth. Yeah. I'm curious if they're going to do the Marvel route and get to a point where they go, well, let's do two Star Wars movies a year. I don't know. What do you think? They they could, yeah. I don't know, it seems the, too the, much. The, biggest, the, right, the, I mean, the thing that Marvel has is they have a bunch of different characters that have already been um, established that they can they can sort of go to. With Star Wars, everything is – they can either reference characters that are sort of – you know, briefly mentioned in previous movies, or they can sort of create something out of whole cloth, which t- I, don't, I don't know. T- I am not a huge fan of, of blockbuster movies. And so the, the idea that Star Wars can still have their franchise and, and still sort of go back to the well, but also create whatever they want and play in this like huge sandbox that, you know, there are no rules really. And, and for them to not do that and go back to a very sort of similar story and a few characters, I don't really understand the point. Yeah. Um, like I'm, I'm sure if, if you like if you like Star Wars, you're going to be down to see you know how the plans for the Death Star were gained, but that's certainly not a a selling point for for me, someone who's not who doesn't really care about Star Wars. I think something that's definitely going to be kind of taken away from them doing a Star Wars movie every year is the fact that. You know, before when a Star Wars movie came out, like, it was a cultural phenomenon. Like, people would, like, you know, were losing their minds whenever a Star Wars movie came out. Because, like, a Star when a Star Wars movie came out, that was, like, a real treat. Because you didn't get a Star Wars movie every every day. Yeah, they did the first one in 77. And yeah. Then, what, three years? So, like yeah, 1980, Empire came out. And then 83, Return of the Jedi came yeah. out. And then there was a space of 19 years before yeah. Episode One came out. So... You know, I honestly don't think you're ever going to see what you saw for when The Force Awakens came out. Because that was such a big deal because we hadn't had a Star Wars movie since 2005. We hadn't had one in 10 years. And, yeah, none. And those three movies nobody liked. Right, right. So, you know, that created even yeah. more anticipation. But I don't know. I think part of... I don't know. For me, when I was younger especially, like... I would watch other movies, but I, w- I always kind of held Star Wars like on a higher pedestal almost. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like Star Wars is too special to, to be churning them out. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as a Star Wars fan, mm-hmm. I feel like it should be a special treat when when a Star Wars movie yeah. comes out. And I think that's sort of the fine line that all all studios are, are towing right now is, right. is because of that, that very thing is that if you throw out, you know, three Marvel movies a year at some point it becomes so commonplace how can you possibly get up for it right that hasn't happened yet there hasn't there hasn't been f- too much fatigue at least box office wise it doesn't seem that way and people keep buying the tickets yeah so I you know maybe maybe that's never going to come you know maybe as much as i i wish it were there's not going to be a backlash um that regardless of whether it's, you know, at the movie theaters or on ABC or on Netflix, people are watching Marvel stuff. Yeah. And Disney knows that. And so, of course, they're going to do that with Star Wars. And 
un until proven otherwise, that sort of seems like a winner that no matter what they do, they're hitting, you know, they're getting it right. People are showing up. People seem generally pleased uh, as much as sort of we here on this podcast shit talk Marvel. We're in the minority of, of moviegoers. Right. So let's, let's transition to Suicide Squad, uh, a company that doesn't seem to be getting anything right, <laughs> no matter what they do. No. They released a, a new trailer and much, you know, very much like the first one. What did you think of Suicide Squad? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't I, care. I, I like, like, I don't, yeah, I don't give a fuck. I'm, I'm fatigued. I've been fatigued for about five <laughs> years now. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, like, I don't even care. And that's the thing. I think yeah. kind of going back to what I was saying a moment ago with Star Wars, like when the Dark Knight Rises came out, like that was exciting because like that was going to be the last one. The Dark Knight was such a good fucking movie. Like and, it was. And a, you had Inception between them. Like he sort of teased you right, a little bit. And right, right. Sort of pushed it off. It's like when Christopher Nolan was making a Batman movie. That was a treat. Like, you know, nothing had come out like the Dark Knight before. And I think now that I don't know, it's just that it's. It's just the factory line. Let's just turn them out, and I don't know. I was, yeah, I was quite like, underwhelmed. Yeah. I was underwhelmed with Batman versus Superman. So I, I don't, uh, I don't <laughs> care. I don't care. I'm, yeah. I'm ready to. I'm ready to see the the movie uh, that also had a trailer come out this week that we'll get to in a few minutes. We'll get, yeah, I'm ready we'll, to we'll see that that bit. kind of movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me, me, and you both. That's that's why we're gonna have a little bit of a palate cleanser mm -hmm. uh, in a couple minutes. We're gonna keep teasing that. Um, the the thing with with Suicide Squad, sort of the thing that I'm I'm dreading is I, I feel that when this movie comes out, it's going to do pretty well at the box office. Yeah, get that. Critics are going to trash it. It's going to get that Gal Guardians of the Galaxy money coming out right in August. It, like that. It could I don't know the, the post summer. The, the rumors of reshoots are pretty troubling. That's yeah. a terrible sign that they're they're having to to go in and, and change massive parts of it. I just think it's going to fall flat. Yeah. That if, if it's probably going to be more like uh, Batman versus Superman, which is it's bad, but it's not fun bad. Like it's just dreary. Yeah. It just it's just a bummer. I think uh, I I will say this something that I think Marvel got right. I think it was wise to do each each character get their own movie leading up to the ensemble piece because like I just don't. I don't know what is an ensemble movie that works. I don't. I like. I can't think of four superheroes. Any or just in, in general, like I, I mean, I think it's just so difficult to to care. It's hard enough for films in Hollywood today. Like it's hard enough for Hollywood films to get you to care about one character. Like mm -hmm. most of the time, they don't even get that right. But for me to care about like seven, eight, nine characters, it's like I don't even care. I don't, yeah. I don't care. <laughs> the, the the problem is like I, I I look at it as I don't need to see another origin story. I don't need to see no you know what definitely. happens to to Bruce Wayne as a child. Um, that doesn't make me care anymore. To to see to see how you know Bruce Wayne became Batman. That doesn't really interest me. That's not a very in depth character path well hey it's i really really simple i agree and i think i mean i i think batman begins is a it's not per, that good of a movie. it's not <laughs> it, it, and it's funny when that movie came out no one really gave a shit about it but then after like yeah. 
the Dark Knight the Dark Knight came out, people were like, "Oh, yeah. Batman Begins, it's so good." And no, yeah. it's it's, it's not It's really really conventional. Yeah, it's not it's it's all right. Yeah. It's an all right flick. Mhm. It's got a it's got a couple moments, but yeah, yeah. for the for the most part it is a very standard um you know, origin story of a superhero. And yeah. I just don't find that that path that interesting. The thing I think Nolan did correctly with The Dark Knight is I I don't look at that movie as like oh th- these characters are really really deep and nuanced. I think it's the, the actual the the opposite is that these are such broad archetypes and he's just saying like yeah, I I know I'm I'm going to be using these broad archetypes for what they are and I'm going to play with that idea and it becomes really interesting watching trying to pretend that a superhero is a nuanced character. I just don't buy it. Yeah. There may be there may be a, a graphic novel you know, somewhere that's kind of obscure that may do that better, but the stuff that we're getting in theaters, it's not a nuanced character story or character study at all. Um, so I guess let's finish up with our, our big time trailers. Yeah. Another origin story, Doctor Strange, was also <laughs> released. Uh, we were talking about this before, Aaron. <laughs> You're killing me here, man, with these these fucking movies. I like I can't I can't even deal with it. <laughs> I know. They're so it's, bad. I like I it's depressing. It is. It's really yeah. sad. And I, I I want to fight the impulse of the sky is falling because I feel like people have been making this argument for years and years and years and it the sky never falls. Like I I I'm out of touch. That's fine. I don't get Marvel. I don't like them. I'm out. You know, that's just that's just what it is. Yeah. I, I see I see this origin story. It's another Marvel origin story. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Right. Um, it's, you know, Rachel McAdams is in this movie, and she's going to get sidelined. And the the chances of, of her actually being able to play an interesting character are probably close to zero. Yeah. I don't know. Like I, I, I probably sound like I'm lacking enthusiasm in this conversation. <laughs> but no, these I, movies, I, I, feel, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's really depressing. Like, oh, you know, and the thing I think is sort of notable is all of these hit in the past week or so. Yeah. And to a certain extent, all of them, maybe with the exception of like Suicide Squad, like people didn't really, people gave a shit, right? People were interested and cared and people are, you know, making their weekend reservations for when they're going to, you know, go see Doctor Strange. And I couldn't, I couldn't give a shit. Yeah. I just, I can't. You know what I can give a shit about? This last movie, this, this last trailer, <laughs> Neon Neon Demon. Ugh, looks so good. Yeah, uh, the the latest uh, Nicholas Winding Refn movie. The guy who who so lovingly brought us Drive and Only God Forgives. <laughs> Only and... God Forgives. That movie has grown on me. It, you'll uh, get there. Yeah, you'll get there. I've I've been cheerleading that movie since we saw it. Yeah, I I think. So. Uh, I don't know. I wasn't in the right mindset when I saw that in theaters, but were I you thinking of were you thinking it was going to be like Drive? Yeah, yeah. And I think yeah. it, I, I don't know. What, was it advertised as being? I don't know. I felt I like you had Ryan Gosling. So. You had yeah. yeah. I don't I, know. I feel that, that's probably more like wish fulfillment. You know, I think hope, hope. Yeah, and I think too because I had only seen Drive, I figured, oh, that's he's just going to make another uh, one. But yeah. it's kind of Drive is almost Nicholas Winding Refn 
like the tame version of him. <laughs> like that's not when you let him go and do whatever he wants, you get only God forgives. So yeah, I'm going to well, go into so this you, one with that only God forgives mindset. And uh, yeah. I don't know. It looks, it looks like just, I'm just going to experience it. Yeah. Cause yeah. Just, look at his, his, his last four movies. I don't, I don't know anything about the, the pusher series. No, the, uh, the Danish movies that he made, but he, he goes, uh, I may screw up the, the order. I think it's Bronson, Valhalla rising drive and only God forgives four wildly different movies. Yeah. And, and neon demon seems again, a, a fifth completely different, different movie, a psychological thriller, horror thing. Like I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's got L fanning and it, it's got ref and style. It's amazing. <laughs> and it's got Keanu in it. Who wasn't in the, I don't think he was in the trailer, but I don't think he was. Keanu's either. in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> I'm an actor. Yeah. I'm a thespian. I don't, I don't even. I don't even know what <laughs> what Revan's gonna do with with Keanu. Ah, uh, he'll do something. Yeah. Maybe he'll give him kind of like uh, like the Ron Perlman role. You know, that'd be interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, it does seem like th- this movie is going to be about Hollywood. Right? Yeah, it, se- it seems like she's an actress or a model. I think she's a model. I think celebrity sp- or something like that. Is she a model in L.A.? I think I don't know. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not sure. the The trailer. I know she's a model. Thankfully, skimps on details, which is how a trailer should be. Absolutely. <laughs> like I'll, I'll I'll say this on record. I think the greatest trailer, perhaps of all time, is the the initial teaser trailer of Gravity. It was it it teased you. It gave you just setup and it gave you style, and it set everything up. I, I don't think I've ever been more pumped for a movie. I have to cut to <laughs> massively disappointed in that movie, but <laughs> I have to disagree. I think the greatest teaser trailer of all time is for a film. I don't know if you probably haven't heard of it. It's called Terminator two. The <laughs> teaser trailer for that movie was like all, it was not a scene from the movie. It was just like a conveyor belt of Terminators being built. And like Don LaFontaine this summer, <laughs> the See, machines I'm, I'm, will I'm, rise. And then Arnold I'm, I'm coming out of the mold. The <laughs> Arnold like is in like a mold and like you just see his naked body and like the, the mold opens up and just cuts to Arnold's face and his eyeball lights up and then it goes, ding, T2. That's how all you that, need. How did that movie get another reference? Oh, so good. Every single week. We need to have a James Cameron week. Day. Yeah. Mm. We'll, we'll get there. It's a good trailer. Uh, I think the best trailers, honestly, are ones that don't have any dialogue. My favorite trailers are just yeah. like music. Like uh, Fincher does that. He did that mm-hmm. with uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. That's a great yeah. trailer. Just yeah, a, just give give me a little bit of style and maybe yeah. like get that Trent Reznor going on and just yeah, a bunch yeah, yeah. of cuts from the movie. That is that is the trailer that pumps me up. Or just give me like a a thirty second slice of one scene. Yeah, do something like that. Just. Just tease me. Don't you don't have to explain. Right. Say absolutely nothing. Yeah. Uh, so I think I think we'll we'll move on from the trailers, but I, I think we can say, uh, buttery mess endorses neon demon. Mm-hmm. Those other ones can go fuck themselves. <laughs> I think you know. I think going back for just a second, the I think for me like Rogue One is a Star Wars fan. Maybe how I feel about that is how like these Marvel fans feel about the Marvel movies, like. They're gonna go mm-hmm. watch. They're gonna go pay and watch them anyway, no matter what. And I, I, that's how yeah. I am with Star Wars. I'm gonna be there in the theater watching it, no matter what. So, and I'll, I'll, I'll see whatever Reffin does. I don't give a shit. Yeah, see, I'll, I'll be there. That's what sucks about living in Northern California. Like when I was in L.A. or Boston, you could go. You could just walk five minutes, and you could go see 
a Nicholas Winding Refn movie. Like they're hard to see, see around yeah. here. The problem is that you got to. But uh, I'm going like to definitely hunt that one out when it comes out. Do you know when much. it comes out? Um, September, I think November, something like that. Oh, so we're we're, we're a while off from it. We're yeah, yeah. Luckily, like it's not like um, only God forgives where it was. I don't know if buried's the right word, but you know, released in the middle of summer. You know, just sort of stuck out there and. People moved on pretty quickly. Yeah, but yeah, th- this one, this one's going to be in the award season. I don't know if it's the plan is for it to be up for any awards, but I know they sub- I know they submitted it for the can for the Palm Door. Um, yeah, which I could see something like have... I could see something like this winning. winning it could, the Palm or you could, or it could be like only God forgives and people walk out. That is also true. <laughs> <laughs> that is also true. E- either way, I don't, I don't know what could happen between now and then that would dissuade me and and make me not want to see this movie. Yeah, I mean I think it's uh it's going to be a good one. Yeah, it's very um, it's very exciting. It's yeah. the best trailer I saw all week. Yeah, I watched it, it a, watched it a few times. Oh, is I saw at the beginning that Amazon Studios put it out which um are they yeah. releasing it through Amazon? Like, what is is it going to go know. VOD? Like a, yeah, Beast of No Na- Nation kind of thing. Yeah, like an Amazon Prime, or like it'll come, it'll really release know. release limited, and then they'll do like um, like the VOD through Amazon, like okay. exclusively. Yeah, yeah well, I th- I, you know, I, I don't know. This would this is going to be just purely speculative. Um, you you would have to imagine that it's going to hit Amazon at some point before it gets elsewhere. Yeah, either it'll be like. Either before it gets released on, you know, DVD, and Blu-ray, and Netflix, and all that, it'll be Amazon first. Um, whether or not it's going to be on Amazon at the same time it's in theaters, I don't know. Yeah. That's certainly going to be happening more often. Obviously, Netflix did that with Beasts of No Nation. And I don't know if, if you could consider it a success, if they liked how that worked out or not. But you have to think some of these... Some of these companies are going to be trying stuff like that your amazon your your hulu that yeah. kind of stuff so all right i think i think we'll we'll call it quits at the uh trailers and yeah we'll move on to <laughs> go into the main course to, yeah to what what brought us together tonight and that is pta so i think let's we'll start sort, sort of broad and uh talk about paul thomas anderson in uh, sort of a macro sense and then we'll we'll start you know hopping on these movies so yeah. what do you what do you think of Paul Thomas Anderson, Alex? What do I think of PTA? I, I'll say I was once a big fan, and I, I've kind of dropped off that a little bit based on his last few movies. Um, but I still really enjoy yeah. PTA's early work, especially his first film, Hard Eight, which is uh, my yeah. personal favorite of his, which is the one that most people probably haven't seen simply because he doesn't really talk about it a lot but probably mainly yeah. because um it's his quietest it's his quietest yes. film it's also um it's really hard to find it's never been released on blu-ray <laughs> and yeah. i own the dvd the dvd is out of print and it costs about 40 50 bucks on ebay so it's not like a movie you can just go watch anywhere so you have to kind yeah. of be a fan you have to kind of seek it out but uh, but yeah i'm a big fan of heart eight i don't even know what happened in Inherent Vice. I think I think you have to be on some sort of substance to enjoy that film. But we'll we'll get to all that. We'll, but yeah, we'll, I'm, we'll I yeah. I like PTA. I his last few films haven't really done it for me. But uh, really big Heart yeah, Eight I, fan, big Magnolia fan. 
um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think he's one of the the best filmmakers, you know, working working right now. You know, I'll put him up with with anybody else. I, I would I still, he, I would still yeah, agree I, with that. I would agree yeah. with that. Yeah. Yeah. W- whether or not you liked the master or inherent vice, uh, he's had such a, a strong, you know, catalog of, of work that even if you feel like those aren't, aren't total hits, you can't, they're not shit, right? Like I don't, I don't, no. is anybody calling maybe inherent vice? We'll, we'll get there. I um, would, for me, I would say the master and inherent vice. I've only seen each of them once for me. I wouldn't say that they're bad films, I would say that they're films that I didn't get on my first viewing. So I don't want to say that they're bad. Like I just, they didn't do it for me the first time. So mm-hmm. maybe I need to go well, back to yeah. them. They're not ex- easily accessible as say his earlier yeah. stuff. Um, but yeah. We, we'll, we'll, uh, at least we'll the man has taken some detail. chances. At least he's doing some different yeah. things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, you certainly have to say that he's doing what he wants to do. Right. right. And that, I commend not, that for sure. Yeah. Um, so we'll we'll get into specifics on each movie. Uh, you know, as we get there, we're gonna go in sort of chronological order. Um, but I think it's it's safe to say that we're both massive fans, yeah. and this is going to be uh, generally a a pretty positive episode to contrast with uh, the last one. <laughs> yeah, which we we uh, you know we shat on Zack Snyder for ninety minutes or whatever. Yeah, this week we're talking um, about an artist. Last week we talked about a hack. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. And so uh, I think you already you already said this, but his first his first movie, his directorial debut, Hard Eight, uh, is your favorite PTA movie. Why yeah. Why is that? Um, I don't know. I I'm more for me as a because I, I as a filmmaker myself, like I I'm more into um, characters and stories. I actually had a discussion about this with my friend uh, at school because he likes PT as well and he's more of a visual guy so like he likes to see more visual stuff. And for me, I yeah. I just felt like I found Heart 8 pulled me in more um, with its story than say like Inherent Vice did with its visuals and its emotions and um, I just love the characters in Heart 8. I love the character of Sidney played by Philip Baker Hall who's an underrated actor. He, um, yeah, he is. It, it's always nice to see him like when he pops up. Like you just you feel like I'm in I'm in safe hands for the next ninety minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's great. John C. Riley's great. Um, I get, it's probably one of the reasons why I really like Tarantino. I just really love delicious characters, <laughs> like yeah. really well, good I, characters that that pull me in and make me care about them and are interesting and have that X factor. And for me, Heart Eight just does that for me. I think it's a, it's really interesting that you brought up Tarantino because it, it you can make a pretty good uh, comparison yeah. between uh, Tarantino's first two movies and Paul Thomas Anderson's first two movies. Reservoir Dogs and Hard Date are much simpler, um, very dialogue heavy, much cheaper movies. Um, the casts aren't too big, um, and then in their second movies they were able to spread out a little bit and and do. I would think more of what they want. They're yeah. able to just do more, you know, more characters, more money, you know, longer runtime, be able to imbue more of their style or what would become their style into these movies. Um, and it's, it's really nice to go back to Heart eight and, and see where he began. Cause you see those little moments yeah. of, Oh, th- that reminds me of there will be blood or that reminds me of, um, 
you know, boogie nights or, or whatever, you see these, these little director signs and you go like, Oh, I know how he's going to use this in the future. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think with hard eight and this is probably the, the thing with Tarantino too, is that, um, hard eight, um, he had a lot of trouble funding that movie. I know he didn't he didn't get the full funding until Samuel L. Jackson signed on because he was really the only notable star in the film. So he's yeah, kind of he was kind of. Oh, go ahead. As I, I, was, I was reading earlier today, I think he 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 borrowed some money from Boogie Nights to to finish Hard Eight to finish Hard Eight, yeah, yeah. and and get it get it ready. And then the the studio that had it just you know didn't, yeah. didn't really care and, and just sort of threw it aside right and that's kind of why it's just, it's just such a hard film to find just because i don't i don't know i, I would like to I, I don't believe he's spoken a lot about heart eight but he's probably not a huge fan of it um yeah because I, I, I think you can very very much tell that it's someone's early movie yeah and you, know, you can i mean it's, it's, it's someone their debut yeah and it's really one a few locations it takes place in reno nevada a few char- four characters. It's very mm-hmm. simple, but I'm telling you, PTA, if you're listening right now, give us another one of these movies. Like you're really good at these yeah. like little character studies. I, I I think that's probably why Magnolia. Um, I feel like Magnolia is kind of hard eight, you know, on steroids. You know what? This kind of this is this goes back to um, what I was saying earlier. What is an ensemble film that works? Magnolia is a, an ensemble mm-hmm. picture that works. Um, I would yeah. say the same about Boogie Nights. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think T- Tarantino does that in Pulp Fiction. I think Scorsese done has done that a bunch. Yeah, where he he may have like one or two main guys and then a huge cast of, you know, sort of like second bananas. Right. Um, that he can sort of rotate through. Right, but those um, are se- certainly the exceptions and not the rules. Yeah, and you're also talking uh, about some of the greatest filmmakers, right? You know, in American history. So sorry, Zach. Yeah, sorry, Zack Snyder. You're not in. You're not yeah. in the club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I mean, you can make some comparisons. That's just between you know how how Zack Snyder uses a bunch of characters incorrectly, but we don't need to go. <laughs> we don't need to go down that no. that well. Um, one of the things with uh, Hard Eight is I feel that he has some of those director styles he he wants to do and I, I don't feel he he's, he quite uses them correctly in hard eight how do you mean um so, sort of the, the way he he um he moves his camera like a lot of that movie a lot of hard eight the camera is pretty stationary there's a yeah. couple moments where he, he picks it up and starts moving it around and there's there's one scene there in a uh, a diner and also he 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 pans real quick to a table behind them and you know, guy gets up in his argument. You know, he moves, comes right back to the conversation they're having, and it's certainly it's a, a style you see him do a bunch. Certainly, you see him do it a bunch in um, Boogie Nights, and in Hard Eight, it just it feels very sort of pointless. Yeah, I, I sort of feel like he wants to do this. He he knows he wants that look. He knows that it's it. He knows what he wants, but in in the context of the story, there's not really a a point to it. Yeah, it it's just like here, let's do this, and there's a small little bit of satisfaction. It's sort of setting something up later that you can sort of connect the dots, but it all feels very unmotivated. Yeah, I feel like as he as he gets later on in his career, he starts doing those things, and have have them actually work perfectly with the story that he's telling. Yeah, and have it be a really good companion. Yeah, but I think all all in all, it's a it's a it's a great. 
it's a really, really good debut. Really strong first film. Yeah. And I think, too, for, for me anyway, personally, I definitely agree with you that there are problems with the film kind of cinematography-wise, and he's he tries to do some things that don't quite work. One of the scenes that stands out for me is um, in the motel room, the scene where Sydney has to come and kind of save the day. I, I don't really want to spoil it for people because I feel like this is the one yeah, movie that people we hold, haven't yeah, seen. Yeah, we should definitely hold back with Heart 8. Yeah, so I won't spoil anything, but there's this... The kind of the cinematography in the room is a little weird, but for me, I I forgive all that stuff because again, going back to the story, it just pulls me in. I'm yeah. I'm like I'm in the moment here. I'm not really thinking about where his camera placement is. Um, but definitely check out Hard Eight. Uh, hunt it down <laughs> if yeah. you can. I I found it at Dimple Records for seven bucks, and when oh, that's, I that's a steal. Yeah, I, I and I never find any good deals in there. Um, but I saw it, I grabbed it, I took it up to the register, and the guy that, that sold it to me, he, he knew what I had. <laughs> he knew what I had. <laughs> he knew the, the robbery you are getting away yes, with. Yes, yes. So that's that's one of my prize films. That's one that desperately needs a Criterion release. But I think, yeah, I, yeah you, you PT think, hasn't really talked about the, the movie, so I don't. He's, he probably well, he doesn't did, yeah. want it seen, which is a shame because it really is a really good movie. It does... Um, it, it does sort of stick out compared to his other most definitely other movies. most definitely yeah, it, it's it's very much uh i think he, he was working with the funds with, with what, what he had, had yeah. available to him yeah because i i feel that one of the things and, and we'll transition to boogie nights now is i think one of the, the the biggest differences is his his scope in his movies since since heart eight probably only punch yeah. drunk love uh, is something so narrowly focused. Everything else, he he gets much much bigger. The story that he wants to tell, um, using those same sort of principles of following the characters, but just doing it on a much a much bigger scale. And this is why yeah, I, 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 I yeah. think I have. To me, I always, I always called Boogie I Nights. Uh, I think, I think the Boogie version Nights of Goodfellas. My favorite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, with the opening, the opening shot. It really is. He, yeah. he grew. I mean, it's like here, when he has a lot of money, you know, like you can just see the huge leap he takes you know, um, off the bat. from hard, hard um, he also to, has a, um, to Boogie Nights in terms yeah. of just the scale and the scope of, of, of that film. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, even even same thing. You can draw that line to Magnolia and what he was trying to accomplish there. Just these huge, these huge ambitions that he's he's trying to get accomplished, and and he nails them. In, I think in both of those movies. Yeah. Um, I think those movies are are both setting out very, for very different things. Um, I think one of the things we talked about with Hard Eight is his his focus on, on characters rather than sort of plot necessarily yeah. kind of a, a linear plot. I think one of the things that he starts right. incorporating in Boogie Nights, and he does this a bunch throughout his career, is it's not just the characters, but it's where these characters exist. You know, the, the yeah. universe that they well, I will say, they I feel exist like, in. Um, uh, he starts he's caring there, a right? lot about that. Um, like Reno's just very kind of like, Reno is there's a lot of casinos, but it's just kind of dull and quiet. I think it's the anywhere. I don't think it that movie could have taken place in Vegas. It kind of needed to be in Reno. In you know California, it could have been Atlantic City. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it came out beyond the strip. It's gonna be off the strip. But I think Reno was the perfect, the perfect location for that film. I just love that quiet yeah. casinos during like a Monday afternoon. Like, there's just something interesting about that. Yeah. Just, I don't know. I find that interesting. It is. It's super depressing. But I find that interesting uh, for for a location for a film. Uh, you can get to, to some seedy some seedy places and you can get off the strip. Yeah, certainly can't. It can't be on the strip. No, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. Philip Philip Baker Hall isn't in. He's in. I feel like he pops oh, yeah. up every. He, so is he, yeah, he is in. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I haven't seen him in a, in a while. Yeah. Yeah, he's... Oh, which is... I forget his name in, in Magnolia, but yeah, he's a yeah. prominent character. I don't know, for uh, me, I, you, I always think uh, of Bookman on Seinfeld. With Boogie Nights, when he, I think he, starts, <laughs> he starts... You start seeing his, <laughs> his favorites. He brings... Great actor. What happened? I haven't seen him in, uh, in a while. He gets Julianne Moore. She pops up a couple of times. Philip Seymour Hoffman. He was. He was in that. He was in that. Yeah. He has he's a real distinct voice. Kind of recognize yeah, his voice yeah, yeah. anywhere. I love that. I love how I think kind he's of in, PTA saw that. He's in one in other. Him. I think he's also he created the character for him. I, I feel uh, that's sort of when he stopped. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. I, right. Yeah, I think the. He he was in uh fifty fifty. Right, I think. I remember he was he was in he was in that. Yeah, movie. I think he was good. Say that a big theme in that film yeah. is his family I mean, and, and him wanting to be mm-hmm. this father yeah. figure. It's so funny. I, the other yeah. day I watched um, Steven Seagal's latest film on Netflix. It's a little film. <laughs> it's a film called Absolution. Yeah, and it's basically the same exact plot of Hard Hit, um, but way fucking shittier. Warm feeling. <laughs> but I don't know where I was. I was going with that. Things but, that. Um, he does. Like, oh, man. He's we not need to a talk. We need to talk. Great person, necessarily. There, there's an episode there's there. Let me tell you. <laughs> that he, he gives off. And, that, and it's, it's an absolute necessity. <laughs> oh, it's, it's absolution. Check it out on Netflix. It's a treat. He is, he it's is a the treat. centerpiece of that. It's so fun. Like, you'll be pissing yourself out. It's so bad. But it's it's like, oh, it's better than Batman versus Superman. Like, at least it's funny. Like, mm-hmm. you'll have a good time with absolution. But anyway, what are we talking about? The themes of heartache. A much better movie. <laughs> Dude, why? Yeah. And Magnolia, yeah. <laughs> Shocking. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't know. That that might be that might be too much for me to handle. Oh my head. We'll have, to, we'll have to do that on video so people can just see me rolling my eyes for for an hour. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Did you see the? Um, I, I saw it online maybe a week ago. They released um, the script coverage that PTA right. received you're, from you're 20th Century about, Fox on yeah, you're uh, about Boogie Nights. And then. Yeah, and he, also he, like, kinda, he, um, he does that again. What in, did it say? It was um, like it just it had like the synopsis and, and the person Magnolia. doing the coverage basically said pass, pass, pass. He, he has this, if you look at it, it's just like the rise of a porn star and all that interact with and, each other. But really, there's so much more um, to that film. Have these great, these great. Like when I think of that film, I don't even my favorite. Yeah, and I don't, I don't even think of porn when I think of that movie. Is Julianne Moore's character and just how right how she's relating to 
to her co-workers. It could be any setting. People around her. I think, it, like, like you said, with Reno being the backdrop to heartache and gambling in the world of, you know, so much professional gamblers or whatever, uh, living in Reno. Uh, the porn is just the backdrop. And a depth to his movies take that, that those characters and that a lot of filmmakers don't, um, don't have. He cares yeah. about those sort of yeah, yeah, those elements. Not so much like the exact. I mean, they they still are porn star characters, but the themes there, um, you could kind of put in another setting. Mm-mm, I haven't seen this. Uh, the one that stands out to me is the opening shot. Again, I haven't seen the movie in a while. I don't even remember the second one you mentioned. But, um, I remember that... Yeah, I know, I need to, I need to watch it again. Exactly, um, yeah. You but can't, you that, can't that, elevator pitch it. Yeah. Right. No, you, you think of, of characters... And that, that first shot is definitely an ode to get changes. But he does it so well, like, it works. Sort of closely related. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Put him yeah, and anything else that's a little de- degenerate. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Um so I was like, of the of the tracking shots, which which one do you prefer? Do you prefer the opening one throughout the uh mm-hmm. like the uh Dance club. Oh, you know the, what? The I have seen that scene. Into the pool. I saw that. Do you have a? Preference? I know what you're talking about. We watched in a film class. I don't know which film class it was, but a film class. I remember that scene. I want to say it was um, a film class. Oh, at, really? Uh, the the community college at FLC. Yeah. yeah. And this, there's, there's a bunch of other ones in there too. Class, not the one you took. This is definitely it was another one. Oh, now I have the one. The second one I took with him. We watched. I don't know if we watched these long takes, and I think. Yeah, yeah. We, I don't think we watched Boogie Nights. Um, it is. The class yeah, was the sensitive. One is in... <laughs> but we watched yeah, the opening tracking his, shot. It's his um, And I remember style. we watched a scene yeah, he, from that movie that I don't know the name of it, I don't, but I know I don't know about. if he sort of, if it's common knowledge that it's an homage to the Copacabana scene. Um, it, I, I don't know. I, I know for the second one, it's a, um, they're having a, a, a backyard sort of barbecue at uh, Burt Reynolds' house. And so the camera sort of, you know, you start from outside the house and it goes into the backyard and you start meeting all these, you know, seeing all these people. And this is sort of right before Dirk Diggler starts, starts working. And um, there's a, at the very end, the camera dives into the pool. And that is an homage from that, from a, an old movie called like, I am Cuba. or This is Cuba or something with Cuba, which I, I need to track down, but Mm-hmm. You know oh, what I'm yeah. talking about? Yeah. Cigarettes and coffee is, uh... Yeah, it's cigarettes and coffee. It's like a 24-minute short. Uh, you can find it on YouTube. The quality is pretty garbage, but... It's basically, um, the whole... Smith Rousey? Short film takes place in a diner, and it starts on Philip Baker Hall's character talking to this guy, and mm-hmm. they're talking a bit, and just about as... Okay. Like, just right when they're about to get into the meat of the conversation, yeah. it cuts to it's this couple. It's more on, like, uh, this new couple. Like, 
sort of basics. Uh, who, um, mm-hmm. The wife just gambled away all their money. So they're dealing with that. And then it cuts to <laughs> this uh, guy outside played by Miguel Ferrer, who yes. was in Twin Peaks and RoboCop. Um, and he's a hitman. And he yeah. goes to the payphone and he calls this guy. And just about his, I think the, just the like right when he's about to get into the meat of his conversation, he comes back uh, to the Philip Baker Hall. Ago, and he basically jumps around all, these, all three of these characters. Um, without spoiling anything, it's just a really good, finely tuned short film. Uh, owned by that is also kind of a prequel, like you were saying. It's like you see um, the kind of the notes in there that, that uh, you'll see in later PTA films. Content. Yeah, and it's definitely the inspiration and for Hard Day, especially with that Philip Baker Hall's character. Boogie Nights, that I recommend everybody go check that out. You can still find it, even though Grantland doesn't exist anymore. Their website is still up. You can still find all of their articles. I highly recommend people go, um, go, go look it up, and it's just the the story of, um, sort mm-hmm. of how uh, Boogie Nights came to be. Oh, um, yeah. This actually reminds me. We forgot to mention this with Hard Eight. Let's let's my second for favorite. Second about, for me, um, I feel like that's his opus. But uh, I'm sure you probably, uh, most would probably disagree. So my, I, don't know, I love that movie. Yeah, that's, that's one of those so perfect three-hour movies. You know this. I have not seen it. Yeah. Is that the one that he has the scenes with? Right, and she's Philip Baker Hall's daughter in the movie, if I remember correctly. Okay. Yeah. Of where right. become yeah. He Yeah. He does something very mm, he does something very similar with Boogie Nights. Um I don't know what that's called. It, it was I think it, he was like in school when he did it. But same thing like he you know, he filmed <laughs> he filmed some stuff. Uh some scenes of the movie. There's only one and crash, and it's a, David Cronenberg's crash. David Cronenberg's crash. Starring James Bader. Eventually made it into the f- finished product of Boogie Nights. <laughs> I've seen parts um, of it. They used to show it late night on IFC. Let's move on. Remember when I was like, when I was like 15, Next. catching that one late at night, being fascinated by that film. <laughs> I've never seen it in, in, uh, in its entirety, though. I just remember it being NC-17, mm-hmm. which... Okay, yeah, so I've only well, seen... Yeah, that is. And I've, I've seen Videodrome, which yeah. <laughs> I'm a big Jimmy Woods fan, but yeah, that movie didn't do it know, for me. And another... <laughs> a, I'd love... A side note, I'd love to make an uh, NC-17 John C. Riley's film someday. Lawrence. Oh, no. Him and... I forget... I, um, I forget yeah, I just love the idea of an NC-17 film. With mostly in that movie. She is you know? phenomenal. <laughs> like, I could... Yeah, right. like John C. Riley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yes. 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 You I mean, do remember correctly. It is, and yeah, I think it's a shame. Um, talking about the movie, shame. It's a shame because that's an NC-17 um, film. That's fantastic. But yeah, like, I, I feel like 
any any time that those, rating those two were on, best, uh, uh, you know, it's not on the screen exploitative, together. kind of like Showgirls uh, is. Um, I, I, but I, I, I'd love to see more NC seventeen films. Um, it's definitely it's a it's a less coherent movie than Boogie Nights. Yeah, I think you it's can a make, little bit make more much more money. Um, I don't I don't even know what the right word is. Certainly, maybe more heady. Um, a little bit more interpretive. Right. You know, it, it asks the audience to be a little bit more interpretive. Yeah. Um, with all of these disparate, you know, elements that gets tied together. And I think yeah. he's one of the few filmmakers who have done that kind of thing of, you know, that's a good movie. A that's a good movie. <laughs> and we have a bunch of that's characters. That's a Paul classic. Tying together. Um, yeah. Most of the time, I don't think that works very well. Yeah. I like totally that movie though. That's a cool. That's a. That's like the definition he, he of a cult really movie. It's it not a good movie, but I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I have. I have not seen Cronenberg's uh, version, but yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We're not talking about Paul Verhoeven. That's another episode. I think, I think the only Cronenberg movie I've seen is uh, yeah. Fly. I'm like so. I wish I really watched some of these because I've, I've only I've seen all of the most of these only once. I've seen all of them, but I wish they were more fresh in my mind. <laughs> um. So it's sort of. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's my favorite part of the movie. Is good, good uh, luck. what's you his name in the movie? Just make it for like nine. Frankie Janacki. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the problem is like you're. Just, I love that movie too. The second that happens, your movie's not going to be seen. Like it's just not. You can't advertise it yeah. for shit. You can't. You can't display it anywhere. It's a real a real bitch to to show it, and it's such a fucking headache. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did tomorrow. Yeah. 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 It just pe- people have. I mean, the the problem is like it's it's yeah. pretty easy to get it down to an R. You know. Yeah. And it, it's sort of yeah. <laughs> and that for yeah for a studio to go like you know I'm what take Jack Reach over dollars on this like. <laughs> Sure. What? Why not? You know, make it where we can only show it to four people. But again, going back to the story, like I didn't, I don't even know what that movie was about. Yeah, it's just unfortunate. I was sleeping in it. it but it looked works. good. You know, shame. shame it's about a cop works. on you know, the I edge. Want that <laughs> That's all you need. Any, That's not a great movie. Though, you know, any I, less than what it is. <laughs> um, that is true. So, yeah, you don't. Like, so you don't. But no, I mean, I mean, even I miss. That movie was a mess for me. I'm a big Mission Impossible fan. I thought the last one didn't really do it for me. That kind of killed him, didn't it? Yeah, I wish he'd just go back to doing. That's unfortunate. Your roles, like, because I don't know. know I don't. I don't. Yeah. What does he say? What is his line? I. The only. The only Respect thing is like the cock. I. I. I, I miss his, uh, the sub- subversive. I was get that confused with the. You ever see the spoof with I don't, I don't, I don't know. Stellar? Someone who they did for Mission Impossible Two is called Mission Impossible. Where he plays a, he plays Tom Cruise's so stunt double. And his and name is Tom Cruise with two O's. Yeah, it's, it's the, the funniest thing. He, he, can, he can make a movie on two different 
Anyway, Magnolia. Yeah, he, he could make your sci-fi action movie and make fun of you for liking it. Um, but we're not talking about Paul Verhoeven. <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk about Magnolia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, I can. I I can. I I watched Magnolia. Yeah, uh, not the Step Brothers, John C. Uh, like the actor. Is, John C. This was a great. No, I'm, I'm a big Steve. Cruise, I'm a big Steve Bill fan. I so. wish. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It, he did. He did. Uh, Magnolia yeah. and Eyes Wide Shut were both released in the same year, I believe. Or Hard Eight. <laughs> um, I wish there was more versions of of this Tom yeah. Cruise out there. I mean, you, you have you have sort of the young. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's move. Good looking. Move. We spent too much time on Hard Eight and then Boogie Nights. Let's, guy, Tom Cruise. He did a bunch of those movies, and you have the later day action movies of Tom Cruise, but there's not a whole lot of. Cruise being I did too. serious in a movie for predominantly adults. Yeah, he's a really good um, in actors really director. Well like he knows movies. how to. There's just not that pull up performances. That that. Yeah, yeah. You but I think to like, me, um, Punch Drunk Love, yeah, like no, that whole movie Mario, is Philip Seymour uh, Hoffman. Diary, that is what stands Mario, out to yeah, me. Yeah, and I I love that movie. And he's great yeah. in it. Even his scene in Magnolia is his scene in Hard Eight. is fantastic. You know, you get Edge of Tomorrow and he's great. You get an Oblivion, which is oh, wait, were they going to do something else together? And, like, and then you get Jack Reacher, which is and PTA. Yeah, did, did PTA have anything cooking for the two of them? It sucks. Nah, man. Obl- Ob- Oblivion looks just yeah. way better. Just just on that alone, like I can look at Oblivion and just enjoy that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's the Jack Reacher story? Guy wants to. <laughs> Yeah, it's fucking boring. No, 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 no. It's got Werner Herzog in it, though, so I, I do like that. Oh, Werner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that franchise, it just sort of, it is what it is now at this point. Yeah. You know. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because it's such a good, a good performance. Um. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> Do you think uh, Paul Thomas Anderson? Like, no. why did he cast Adam Sandler? Did he believe he could get the performance out of him, or had he seen uh-uh. a performance like that where he knew Sandler could go there, but like doesn't do that often? <laughs> what is the story behind that? Yeah, because have, you don't just cast you know an ex SNL person. And say, okay, I'm gonna pull the performance yeah. out of him. Um, to to me, there are two main stories in Magnolia that I, I'm sort of fascinated with. Yeah, is the, um, Tom Cruise Julianne Moore, sort of triangle thing that's happening there, and then the John C. Riley, sort of sa- sad sack John C. Riley, which I yeah. kind of I you know I miss that version of John C. Riley too, of you know, heartache. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah, and he's he's given yeah. those. You want to go like, back and watch these? Uh, uh, right, he can do those step brother kind of things, and he's good in them. But I'd like to see sort of the we need to talk about Kevin or the 
um, Boogie Nights sort of version of John C. Riley, because that dude's a or Hard Eight, yeah, that that dude's a, a legit legit talented actor. Um, ah, so let's let's just uh let's keep it moving. Uh, we're we're taking way longer than I uh, thought we would. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Punch Punch Drunk Love. Um, we don't have to spend too much time on this. I fucking love this Sandler performance. I just need to see it again. It's, it's amazing <laughs> no. what he got out of Adam Sandler. Mm-hmm. This will come up with Joaquin Phoenix later on. Yeah. It's that... It's a really good scene. Right, these are movies... The, the thing... Yeah, you got to do the David Lynch thing. You got to watch. It's really good too. too. Yeah. You know, oh, get up, get a snack, so take a shit, come back, watch God, the rest damn. next Tuesday. Like you can't uh, do that. Like, you have to sit down and watch them. Philip Seymour Hoffman and oh man, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. That would really bum me out yeah. if, if he did and he had to abandon it. Or the Frank T.J. Mackey. Yeah, what yeah. is it? The infomercial. Philip Seymour Hoffman. We can. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. We'll touch. Uh, him later on in the master um the, the thing that i i take away the most from punch drunk love is that he, he uses like a- adam sandler is sort of like his, his shtick is like there is sort of like an, an anger to to adam sandler and he yeah. usually just sort of uses that in it's like david weird, lynch like he, sort of I mean, two very different ways. directors but but like paul um, took that they just, make they like, make movies that you don't watch on your fucking phone just this <laughs> they make movies that you go to the theater you buy a ticket movie, and you and they have you music for two and a half hours three hours whatever it's just grading um, it is the same that. thing in there will be blood right, and i think i mean i think jimmy and dean going back to music that's gonna be one of those movies drive tension and then you finally you just get that that great. God, I wish you would. Are we just making Twin Peaks? Yeah. Tarantino does. Did you uh, get a chance? I know we're going off again. Did you get to see Hateful Eight: The Roadshow? I did too, and it was. Oh, you didn't go see the seventy. You just saw it in theaters. Okay. He. Oh, that's a shame. I. I he he must have, he must have. Yeah, I yeah I just got the Blu-ray. And it's it sucks because the Blu-ray is just the standard yeah, version. Yeah, and a pretty serious. I saw the Roadshow yeah. version of Seventy Million. Like, it was great. Elements, like you go in, they hand you this big pamphlet. You sat down. You had a five-minute overture. Where it just an overture on the screen, and just the music um, was playing. And then it cut into the movie, just, and then you had the intermission. It was it was fantastic. It was probably my favorite movie last year. Definitely one of my favorite movie going experiences. Probably set out to make a comedy. And what bigger name in 2002 or whenever this was, I think it was like 2002, what bigger name for comedy is it than Adam okay. Sandler? And it seemed, it probably seemed like a natural fit, but the way Paul Thomas's, Thomas Anderson's brain yeah, was. Yeah, that movie sucked me in and I was, I'm not making an again, Adam Sandler fucking movie. delicious just characters, just Paul Thomas Anderson movie scenes that I can just sink just excellent, excellently written dialogue that you just stick your teeth into. It's, it's, it's rare. Yeah. There is like, Punch Drunk Love is a stressful right. movie watching experience. It's not an easy. I don't think it is. I don't think it's an easy watch. Like I, I feel the tension. Like I, I was I, just gonna say, I get all wound up in Punch Drunk yeah. Love more yeah. than I, I get in most movies. Yeah, it, it just works. It works really, really well. 
I say this is probably which is like it, it, not more so I than know, Hardy. The, the next movie is probably his most popular movie. Is probably his most overlooked movie. Did you anything, anything left to say about Punch Drunk before we move on to to There Will Be Blood? Oh yeah. See ya. Yeah, I, I feel like I all, country all of his movies. Daniel Day Lewis won Best Actor. I don't think PTA won. I'm, I'm not popping them on a whole lot. You know, just be like, oh, I'll just watch, you know, 30 minutes of it, whatever. Um, there's. Yeah. But sitting down and watching him, this is definitely his movies are something that you sit down and you watch from the beginning. You don't you don't really throw on for 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, the Coen the Coen Brothers one. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. You can get away with seeing like maybe a scene or two, like you know, like pulling up YouTube. Yeah, and to me that the biggest again. This is kind of where this is why this is start. This is like the point where I start having a problem scene. with him because like, you can he do that gets kind of stuff, but less. Like, oh hey, kind of plotty and more into mm-hmm. like this. this I don't know how to describe it. It's just like these scenes. But like, I don't know, I've only seen like, the movie once. With but, uh, like the story in in No Will Be Blood never really like drew me in. I mean, definitely on, Daniel Day-Lewis' really performance, but it was never that movie that I, I felt like I could sink my teeth into. Standard cable, where I'm like, I don't know what do you think. Again, I haven't seen it in years. That's a movie I definitely I'll throw on and watch. I mean, that movie's more about the feel. Like that movie is like has just like a presence to it. Don't really have that that with. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They have their hooks in you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Paul Thompson Anderson does this. Lynch doesn't make movies anymore, but he would do that. Tarantino does this. Mm-hmm. It's all good. I did. I didn't. I didn't see the. I don't think I saw the full road show. Yeah, I, I. The plan was to go see the 70, 70 millimeter projection, and uh, I did not. Did not make that. So I didn't. Didn't yeah. have the the intermission or the. I think. And I think some of the uh, overture was cut down a little bit for the regular release. I could be wrong. Yeah, that was. I think that was the first thing. I mean, he stands out to me in Prisoners for sure. Um, but yeah. But see, this is why I need to see the movie again because the first time I saw it, because yeah. doesn't he play like twin brothers? Yeah. Which like that threw me off in the movie, and I, I need to I need to watch it again. Yeah, I was. Gonna, I, I I was gonna say the same thing. I don't. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Probably the only thing that rivaled it is I had a blast watching The Big Short, um, for for some other reasons. Okay. Um, but watching Hateful Eight in theaters mm-hmm. was a fun fucking experience. It was like, me- yeah, 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 yeah. You know that that's that's Tarantino, that's Tarantino going back to Reservoir Dogs. 
Right, like that's that's yeah, sort of that Tarantino. Did he get nominated at least? How would he make supporting? Reservoir Dogs? Yeah. He would make it something like probably that. Probably not. No, Oscars, bigger, probably not. <laughs> you know, um, there may be. You know, so I, I think if if Paul Thomas Anderson is ever going to do something, if he's ever going to sort of revisit the world of Hard Eight, it'll probably look more. <laughs> it'll probably look more like Casino than Hard Eight, but you can definitely see the the thought process. Um. So we only have. Uh, a couple more movies. Let's let's uh, sprint through these because we we're taking a, a lot longer than we anticipated. To me, uh, his standout would probably be David Lynch. Yeah, well, I think his relationship with Angela Battleman. The one that he got. Um, uh, a I mean, bunch David, of, David, of see, David Lynch is a guy who talked about all day. That's right. another episode. But um, you know, he, it's his, because No Country for Old yeah. Men was also released. And uh, his incorporated his. I can't. I can't remember who. Does BTA work with the same composer? All the time because like, Lynch guys and they their relationship is Daniel the soundtracks all of his films actor. are just yeah stand out. Yeah, I I can yeah. I can't imagine them splitting. Well, Reznor you know, worked on Coen Brothers, Lost Highway. Like best picture, and then David Lynch's Anderson. Oh, director. Did you, have you seen Lost Highway? I don't think they split it. That's that's um, and this is uh, a really that's good. Lost Highway is another one that's a little hard to find. Of, uh, um, but, I mean, like even I think too with the music, even like in Hard Eight, which is a lot, much more subtler use of the music, but not has this kind of cool noiry um, soundtrack to it that fits the kind yeah. of slow-paced, and cool, like they deserved it. Kind of essence is a great movie. Film has. Um, but I feel like Paul Thomas Anderson, like this is a great fucking movie. There will be blood. Present day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I. Well, yeah. Well, I, I think I think the the biggest thing is like we were talking earlier. I don't want to be cliche, but. Uh... Mm-hmm. I will drink your milkshake. Yeah, I'll and, drink and it that up. particular character. <laughs> I, again, like it, it always. I think that's Paul it. Thomas answered the answer is always character. Whatever the que- like the question is, like the answer is character. This is where I checked out. Um, I, I, the master, I, I was checked out. Like we're talking with <laughs> is when you sort of jump down this. I know. I need to go back because again, I don't think it's a bad movie. I think it's a movie that I didn't sort of understand. Like whatever. So like, I need to. And I need to check that out. Oil tycoon. I checked out during the Crazy with greed. Okay. Um, yeah, and so I think I think I wasn't trying, and I think I watched it over two or three nights. Is, it's all about those just, little yeah characters. I, I think that if you go back and you watch There Will Be Blood, or you watch any of any of these movies, oh, yeah. any of these longer ones, the things that you start to notice after a couple of viewings is seemingly insignificant scenes that are actually say, the entire point. It's two characters say his, char- his character dealing of, with um, something. Oh, God, what's his character's name? Uh, Owen like, Davy in Mission Impossible Paul 3. And Daniel Day Lewis. That, my friend, is a performance. <laughs> and how those two people interact. Yes. And <laughs> the the arc of those characters in that relationship. Do you have a wife, uh, a girlfriend, uh, ends up whoever she is, I'm going to find her. I'm going to hurt her. And then they kill you right in front of her. Brilliant Daniel Day Lewis performance. That was like a little Nick Cage in there. A little taste uh, of Nick. to be the, the kind of <laughs> Paul Dano, who's magnificent. Yeah, 
He does. Yeah, the story was... Yeah, that. I mean, it's... <laughs> shame. Did he ever win an Oscar? Yeah. The, the story was that he... Okay. Originally, Man. the two the two brothers were not meant to be played both by Paul Dano. Uh, there was one character with a, a smaller role uh, I don't know if he and another one with a bigger like... role. Um, and Dano was supposed to play the character with the smaller role. The, the first brother that you meet. And then there's another actor for the second one who... Okay. Uh, I don't remember the reason... But it yeah, did not like work out, that, and pretty close to yeah. the beginning of shoot, they gave it to Dano and say, "Want to do both?" And we'll sort of write them as twins. And he's like, "Yeah, all right." So with really not too much time to prepare, having to go against Stanley Lewis, um, he does a really really good job. Yeah, I don't I don't think so. I don't. Yeah. This is another uh, another movie. Um, this and th- um, Punch Drunk Love, and to a certain extent Boogie Nights, where Paul Thomas Anderson really cares about music and uses music really really effectively to yeah. uh, drive emotion. Um, which is I I don't know if there are that many other filmmakers who use mu- music as well as Paul Thomas Anderson does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think th- there definitely will be a, a Lynch episode at some point because. You know, I I don't know. Yeah, like there's a few of those. I've, I yeah, think Fincher and Reznor I would agree with all that. Perfectly yeah, I did find it. He, he was nominated for Best Supporting. Like, I, I really like that yeah. combination. No. Um, <laughs> Let me look. Best. Interesting. No. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. There's a There's a couple Lynch movies that I haven't. I haven't seen. Was it the 2013? Yeah. Women. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's when it came out, but it was the 2013 Oscars. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, Christoph Waltz won for Django Unchained. Mm-hmm. I think he deserved it for Bastards, but yeah. I think Leo deserved it over yeah. Christoph Waltz. <laughs> uh, one, one of for the Django. Things moving but, right again, I, I need to see the mask again because I know Philip Seymour Hoffman. What I really like about him is when you look at this, these list of movies, I don't yeah. think any of them take place in the same time period. I probably wouldn't argue with that. There might be like there might be like some bleed over, like Hard Hard Eight and Punch Drunk Love and Magnolia all exist pretty close to each other. See, mine's in a cage. But, so you know, actually, no, um, I took that back. It's Steven Seagal. But everything else, so there's are, definitely you know, some completely some different, <laughs> different type of kids. Who is my? F- I have to think about every it. single one. Is like interesting. I'm a big Pacino fan. Like, there's not a whole lot of movies. <laughs> that that are, you know, the early but, um, century that what I wanted to add with the master geeked about. Um, it kind of segues into inherent vice. There will be I just blood, don't get. Absolutely. I don't get Joaquin. Um, 
he doesn't do it for me. Do you have, do you have anything? I don't, uh, I don't know. He doesn't come in like, blood before we, like the characters in PTU's uh, earlier stuff. Like, he doesn't have that quality that, for me anyway, that Philip Baker Hall has or John C. Riley or whomever. Um, he likes to use a lot. Philip Seymour um, Hoffman has a great no, no, Like I love watching him. More. But Joaquin just... I don't know. I'm a, I'm a River fan. The to be completely master honest, master <laughs> has really. I love the master. Yeah. Yeah. His 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 movies don't wash over you. You have to try. You know what I mean. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah. This has an amazing Philip Seymour Hoffman in, um, performance in it. Th- this might... Philip Seymour Hoffman's performance in The Master might be the best performance in any Philip, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson movie. He is so fucking charismatic in this movie. Oh, it is. <laughs> well, because Scientology is so steeped in Hollywood. Uh, you don't really want to... <laughs> from, from Philip Seymour Hoffman, yeah, I mean, we can we can dive down the well of brilliant Philip Seymour Hoffman performances, yeah. which I would love to do. That's a good. I I, I enjoyed Gun Claire, but I I think I would have liked to have seen a little more <laughs> of the other side. Like I want to see what. Uh, yeah, right, they don't, a little bit. Right, exactly. See, my my go to, which is tough. Is, I'm a fucking idiot from Boogie Nights. I'm a fucking idiot. Hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah. Come on, old timer. Right. Well, I'm I'm gonna light this. Right. I'm gonna light this cigarette. And it's kind of something you could forgive with that documentary, <laughs> just because it it's tough to get the other side. But I'd love to just uh, sit down with Tom and just yeah. And like, oh, see, I'd like so to just good. hear his perspective. I just uh, want to hear his perspective. Out, I don't want. Like, you know, I just want to hear what he has to say. I yeah, Capote. I want to say it was. Oh, oh you he, know might, what? he might have won no one did for the Master too. Uh, uh, it was Brett Easton Ellis that pointed out on his. No, uh, no, no, he would have. Rogue Nation tour. Been, Nobody been brought up Scientology. Yeah, yeah, most. No definitely. one wanted to touch that with a ten foot pole. Oh shit! You know he might have. Oh, that's interesting. I certainly think of Philip Seymour Hoffman before. Yeah, that's probably Phoenix, that's probably what it Oscar is. Oscar wise, his reps and stuff for like you cannot talk about this, this, and that. Hoffman would have been supporting. We can. Are you looking that up? All right. Well, I'll I'll, I'll keep uh, vamping while you look that up. Um, this is the last two Paul Thomas Anderson movies. He starts working with Joaquin Phoenix, which are probably the two best Joaquin Phoenix performances. Off the top of my head, I can't I can't think of anything else that would sort of rival it. Like Walk the Line is it is what it is. It's a sort of kind of boring musical biopic. Um, yeah, you're right. I wonder if that's why the master was well, was nominated. So it was, it was he has to play that charismatic, but uh, cold John Travolta probably wasn't lined up to see it. Pseudo cold, or you know, however you want to, <laughs> you know, term his sort of Scientology knockoff. Um, and he has to be charismatic. It sort of, to a certain extent, it pins the entire movie on whether or not you sort of buy into that. Um, and I don't, I don't know. Now explain that, that to me. Because I saw Inherent Vice in theaters. The and I don't even know what happened. 
Philip Seymour Hoffman. Now, since then, I was there for the full experience. I sat down, had my popcorn. I, I, I was into so it, and it just never, never put me in. And I think part, I mean, I don't know. The same tell me why you like it, and maybe you'll convince me to watch it again. There will be blood. I think you can okay. make a similar argument for Inherent Vice. This might be something that... And that was a big thing. He did doing where he has two me characters and just how how their relationship evolves and orbits around each other throughout the entire movie and just keep going back to it and back to it and but back you, to it. But you got to say, that Inherent Vice is a little different the complete polar opposite the, of something like the path that, that Unless you do see parallels there that I missed. This character goes to... Is not because I feel like it's just such a different. I don't even feel like he directed it, but maybe it's because I've only seen it once. So, did you find? Did you did you find the? Mm. Supporting. Did he did he win? Who who beat him out? This is gonna hurt me. Right. There's no way it's gonna be. It's gonna be as good. What else would have been that year? That would have been. No, yeah. I, think it was, I think it was earlier than that. I think it was like 2012. That's a that's a good performance, but. Mm-hmm. For, for Django. As I I like Philip Seymour Hoffman's performance more than those other two dudes. And I think all of them had great performances, but this is also I mean Philip Seymour Hoffman is probably my favorite actor, so there there might be some some bias and there, but um. Oh, oh no. <laughs> yeah. He's he's pretty good. Mhm. Okay. Yeah. I think for me, what didn't work, what I didn't find, <laughs> the thing that didn't work for me in Inherent Vice is that I just never yeah, really cared well, about the character Doc. About, um, and going back to Heart 8, that opening scene with Philip Peter Hall and John C. Wiley, those two well. characters and I'm not win well me over in the first 45 seconds. Sort of I'm, I'm invested. I want to see where these two guys are going to go. I want to, he's going to get in the car and he's going to go with They're going to go back to Reno. I'm so interested to see what happens because I like both of these guys. They're both really there's, interesting there's guys. That, and I never uh, had that moment in here. So I just felt like I was seeing scenes the master of this guy that, and then it ended um, and that was it. Which, I don't know, maybe that's not the point of the film, but it's probably... Whether or not you view it as being preyed okay. upon is, I guess, sort of how you... Which is something that Boogie Nights does. It's something at, that Magnolia does. Punch drunk. They have these characters theaters. that I care about and I want to um, see go along this journey. And that, but that's the Inherent Vice doesn't have that for, for me, anyway. I didn't see... I didn't find that. The idea that Paul Thomas Anderson at one point said, like, this was... 
not Scientology. I just do not understand how how he could say that with a straight face. Yeah, I, I was watching going. I was watching right, going too. clear again right before we recorded, just because I, you know, n- no, not even for preparation, just because I love queuing that movie up every now and then. I've seen it a few times. Um, But that that that's sort of the big problem with Scientology. And see, he's Josh Brolin's another actor that I don't really care for. There's, and there's I think, no other. And I think really, I think there, there's yeah, no way to yeah. get someone. <laughs> I, I think just for me, inherent vice personally, the care, the actors. Power to be I think if you would cast differently, I probably would have liked it more. And I think go going on. back, it, it's not so much that I'm, I'm, and, and, I care and, about the characters and heartache from the beginning. I am interested in them. And you know, for me, Scarface is one of my favorite movies. Tony Montana's not a good guy. If he lives or dies at the end, I don't care. But yeah, I'm interested I think in him. Also, and you could say that about The Godfather or, you know, whatever movie. Oh, my God. Uh, and that just comes just down to personal preference. Fuck, I'm interested buddy. in yeah. Steven Seagal. <laughs> when he shows up on screen and kicks yeah, a motherfucking ass and drops one liners and um, pulls out his 1911, I'm into it. I'm down. And he can do whatever, and I'm down. And that's a personal thing. Okay. Nobody, yeah. He he. No, I need to go like, hey, <laughs> if you ask about it, I'm walking out. Fuck this interview. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is my cup of tea right here. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what that's what they're saying in in uh, Going Clear. Which if if you're listening okay. and you're not sure what Going Clear is, it's a, a documentary released about a year ago. Uh, made by a guy named Alex Gibney, who's a fantastic documentarian. Oh, that's oh, that's it, a goal. It, it goes into is in there somewhere the church. This uh, oh he, he had a great one. The foundation and oh, L. Ron it's got to be. Um, oh, what did and uh, oh man, there's a scene in Absolution where Steven Seagal is talking to the bad guy played by Vinnie Jones, and his one liner. Vinnie Jones is in it. He's top billed, but he's in the movie for about ten minutes. He's on the phone with Vinnie Jones. He tears him a new one, and his one liner is. Fuck you, bitch. And hangs up on him. And it's beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful. Uh, but yeah, Steven Seagal wins me over every time. No. And you can take that to the no, bank. No, I can't, I can't imagine bank. he wouldn't. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that's it's, his it's, personal it's preference. It's weird how, how the master has sort of faded from, from conversation. Uh, I get it. Inherent vice. Love I it. really like it. You gotta watch out for justice. I get time. why people don't like that. Great flick. Great flick. But seriously, though, watch Terminator 2. Terminator 2 is a good... For our listeners, Eric has never seen Terminator 2. Sorry, no. the cat's out of the bag, Eric. This is not... I would hide it. I would hide it. It never... <laughs> Which is well, understandable, but... Per- it's totally understandable based on the films that you've seen. Not, ter- yeah, it, not the Terminator, though. If you're the not Terminator a Walking Phoenix, Phoenix fan... Or, Excellent film. Yeah, like I wouldn't call myself a Joaquin Phoenix fan, but yeah, his Love performance it. it it worked. I, I think his I think he has a great performance in Inherent Vice. Um, you I, know, I, I was thinking about this the other day. I was thinking about my top ten films, and I think I have two top ten films, like two sets of ten, so twenty films. One set is going to be my fun, oh. entertaining, 
you know, my Raiders lost Ark, Terminator 2, and Die Hard. And then I have my other top ten, which is like Mulholland Drive, Before Sunrise. Hard, I think Hard 8 would be in that earlier, list. I, I love that movie. comes down to um, character. So yeah, in, in Terminator 8, 2. It's in my other top ten, but it's there. Like in, at the beginning of Hard 8, you, you see the, the yeah. meeting yeah. of Philip Baker Hall and John it's C. Brady. And then those couple scenes end, <laughs> and then there's a hard cut to two years in advance. And a bunch of shit happens. Oh, he, he's, he's, he's a, a douchebag, no, but... It doesn't matter. You gotta get credit where credit's due. With one Terminator thing that we can establish that the two guys are still together, that whatever happened at that moment obviously changed their lives. And we don't we don't need to, we I don't think need we to go need into it. it. Plot-wise, like... <laughs> I, I, I think this is another episode. On We've, uh, we finished up PTA. It doesn't matter. So it's not important. We should... Pr- it's Probably end with our final notes on PTA and, and save, save Cameron for another one. Interact together in After you've seen Terminator 2, I gave, I think listeners, I gave him, a co- I gave him one of my personal copies of Terminator 2 as a gift. Similar. The man has I, not watched I, it. The big thing with Inherent Vice up. is I think the up. crime is a bit of a MacGuffin. Oh, just pop it in. It's like an hour 45. Whereas, watch the theatrical cut first. Don't watch the director's cut. It's a little too plotty. Hitchcock movie. The main It's a little too plotty. There's too much... Going on is and the that he, cut. he cares about that. Um, watch it, you know, being <laughs> all right, the and, you know, anyway, and how they did it. Do you have anything else to add on, on Paul Anderson? Is the point, and he'll mislead you a bunch, and you know, he has his MacGuffins and and all that sort of stuff. Um, but it's always about the relationship between these characters and that crime, and I think the MacGuffin inherent vice is the crime doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. Um, that he's more interested yeah, good, in uh, closing those notes. characters. I wish he would just do something situations. more like what he did um, in the beginning. And it doesn't have anything, you know, anything I think he to is. do with he does something with it. Like, I just watched this movie again today, and I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't outline exactly the well, best I don't know. If he does something else, I don't think it matters. If he does something without Joaquin, I'll probably be a little it's, more interested. Joaquin is no Steven Seagal, I'm sorry. You know, baked out of his mind in a bunch of these different situations where this fucking stoner has to play, you know, private investigator. Um, and I think it, it always just goes to, comes down to those, those relationships and those I moments need to that, characters by the way. <laughs> and how they have this to work. a great show. I love it. I need to, I need to review it. I listen to it every week. That's true. Yeah. Do you listen to them again? Do you do, do, you do repeat? Yeah. Listen. I like to listen to them again. Yeah. yeah, I like to listen to him in the car on my way to work. That's true. I've already had. In... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, hold on. We... Is there time for a Squarespace ad? Okay. <clears throat> Do you have a small business? Are you trying to build a website? Well, Squarespace is here to help. It's interesting. Only not many in a month. You can build a website with Squarespace. (laughs) If you laugh, I can't. (laughs) Interesting. Because I don't. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna jump back. I'm gonna make it quick. I don't. 
I don't, I don't think I watch movies help. that way. You don't need to be like, worrying about website and marketing. Like you just need to be worrying about your product. And if you keep on code Brandy Sinellis, you're going to get 10% off your first month. Or I feel invested so in them. that's squarespace.com. I just want to be interested. I love you, Brandy Sinellis. Come back. Make another podcast. Like, what is his deal with podcasts? He just makes them what he makes them. Like, if... If Which is good, you know, dies, if, he's, if he feels like he's got nothing, then, you know, don't turn something out. Um, I'm, I'm fascinated and interested um, in... No, in not really. That I'm working on my website, but it's not up yet. So. That's up. Sort of straight, yeah. straight man that Josh yeah. Brolin plays to to Joaquin Phoenix. Like, I think all of all of those scenes are... Take it easy. Just like firecrackers. All right. I'm just... <laughs> So this is like a, just like a perfect confluence of events of just like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. did you did you I got a couple questions for you did you watch the uh, I haven't watched this video there's a a video I'm guessing was put up on YouTube in the past week or so it got aggregated a bunch of the like 100 best one lines after someone kills somebody yeah uh, I didn't watch it because that that is not my thing of of someone, yeah, of, of someone giving a witty one liner after they they blow somebody away. But apparently, there's a there's a YouTube video out there for you, made just just for you, of all of the best, all of the best one liners after, you know, after the hero shoots somebody away. That's he has. To, yeah, I'm sure he does. Um, I think Schwarzenegger's on there a bunch. He has to be. Yeah, Bruce Willis is probably on there. Oh, Vinny Jones is in this. What the fuck are you doing, Vinny Jones? Goodness gracious. <sighs> Ugh. See, like that that shit just like makes my, my stomach sick. I'm just like, Ugh. I can't even I can't even you know, I can't even put my finger on it. Why that like it there's just something like deep inside of me that just goes like ew. Um You you say that, um, yeah. No, we'll 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 talk. Yeah, no, and, and we'll talk. No, I don't think there's any hiding it. the 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 problem is my 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 hatred of James Cameron runs so deep. Like, there's just no way for me to watch that movie 
and give it any sort of a, a plausible chance. Like, yeah. Yeah, he's fucking garbage. Yeah, see, I don't, I don't like, I don't like that movie though. That's just a, a style of movie that is just not made for me. Like, in, Inherent Vice is way up my alley more than, like, I'll, I would take a million Inherent Vices over something like Terminator. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's up it's up towards the list. No matter no matter how you slice it, it's it's up there. Yeah. Yeah, I just I just hate that dude so much that like sit, sitting down and, and giving it anything remotely close to a fair shot is is probably impossible. I just I just I don't like the way that he makes movies. Like, like his style just the, the, what he wants to accomplish. I just I don't I do not care for it. It just rubs me absolutely the wrong way. Yeah. We'll have to man. Ugh. You're going to have to I Mhm. I own it. I am I am I am within arms arms reach of that movie right now. <laughs> yeah, it's just it... <laughs> Oh my god, that's fucking hilarious. Uh, yeah. Um, I'll just say that I'm not sure what he's doing next, uh, when it's coming. I can't wait for whatever it is. You know, I'll probably see it opening day. Um I love PTA. I want him to be around forever. I'm sad that he lost one of his muses. I don't I don't know what else to say. Yeah. So I think he's he's going to do something completely completely different. Like his next movie is going to be like and set in the 30s in New York. It will be like about the depression or something. Yeah, it Oh. I am so sorry, Joaquin. <laughs> and, with, and with that being said, uh, thank you for listening. Um, you can please go uh, subscribe and rate us on iTunes. That would help out immensely. Uh, we would really appreciate that. Also, come on, man. Jesus. <laughs> I, I live it every week, so there's not a whole lot of... A whole lot of listening, but thank. Uh, no, like I, no, I, I haven't. Like when, uh, when, I, when I'll, 
uh, edit it and sort of put together, I'll end up listening to chunks of it just to make sure everything sounds okay. But that, that's about it. Yeah. See, I, I listen to too many podcasts, so li- lis- listening to a conversation that I, you know, I can, I can remember, you know, because it's so recent. I haven't, I haven't really done that. I'll see. Maybe once we get like a huge, you know, a huge uh, backlog of episodes and I can go back a few months, maybe, maybe then. But uh, with that being said, thank you for listening. Until next time. Oh, do them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit them with it. I'm trying. I, I'm. I tried pulling away from them. Uh, sorry. I was. I was trying to keep it to myself, but our setup here makes that impossible. Where I can pull away from the listeners, I can't pull away from you. So <laughs> I'm sorry. I guess you might as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have anything uh, you want to plug personally? All right. Just, all right. Just uh, go, go subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Follow us on uh, Twitter at buttery underscore mess. Like us on Facebook. Thanks for listening. Until next time.